the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well? and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you.
Just then, his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor, Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. There's a stark contrast between today's gospel story and last week's gospel story, a contrast that I believe the gospel writer John wants us readers to recognize. In last week's gospel, you may recall, Jesus encountered Nicodemus, a Pharisee and a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was a man of high status, revered in the Jewish community. In contrast, the woman in today's gospel could not be of lower status in the eyes of the Jewish people of Jesus' day. Whereas Nicodemus was a man within a patriarchal culture, a respected Pharisee, and a ruler of the Jews, the person Jesus encounters at the well in today's story is a woman from an ethnic and religious group despised by Jews. She 
is a Samaritan. In addition, she is likely being shunned by her own community for having been married and divorced so many times. Most women in that culture went to the well to gather water early in the morning when it was cool, and they used that time to visit with one another. This woman comes to the well alone in the heat of the day, probably because she wants to avoid the judgment of the other women. She is an outcast even among her own people. John tells us that the learned and respected Pharisee Nicodemus came to Jesus at night a tip-off that Nicodemus would not see the truth of who Jesus was or what he was saying. While this unnamed, disreputable Samaritan woman encounters Jesus in the light of high noon, a tip-off for us readers that she will see. John tells us that Jesus was tired And a remarkable statement for this gospel writer to make since John portrays Jesus as always being unbowed and in control, even at his crucifixion. Bible scholar John Shea suggests that the weariness Jesus feels is in reality not so much a physical weariness as a spiritual weariness caused by the fruitless and frustrating conversation he has just had with Nicodemus. For the truth of the spiritual life is that the Spirit flows from God into us and out from us into others. If there is no outflow, either because we refuse to share that Spirit with others, or because the other person does not or cannot receive the gift, which is what happened with Nicodemus, then there can be no inflow of the Spirit either. Jesus' Spirit was not refreshed in his conversation with Nicodemus because Nicodemus did not receive the outflow of Spirit from Jesus. Thus, the flow of Spirit through Jesus was blocked. My friends, Jesus is constantly wanting his spirit to be given to others, to flow out from him into others. But so often they or we are closed off and unreceptive, either by ego or lack of understanding or fear. When someone is open to the spirit of Jesus, Jesus experiences this as a fresh flow of spirit through him, which quenches his thirst and feeds his spirit in the process. So when he asks this woman for a drink of water, what he is really asking for is that she be open and receptive to the flow of the spirit moving out from him toward her. This outflow will quench his thirst also, John Shea puts it this way. Jesus is living water 
looking for someone who is thirsty. When those who are thirsty drink from the water Jesus offers, Jesus himself gets a drink. The spirit flows into him and through him when it is allowed to flow out from him into others. This principle of the flow of spirit can be found in the Lord's Prayer when we pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We are forgiven in the process of forgiving others. Forgiveness is a flow of mercy. Now we might ask, why does the Samaritan woman receive what Jesus has to offer while Nicodemus does not? The answer might be simply that the woman is empty while Nicodemus is full, perhaps full of his own knowledge, full of his sense of rightness, full of the admiration of his fellow Jews, full of himself. We could state it another way. The woman was vulnerable and thus receptive. While Nicodemus had a defensive barrier around him because he had something to protect. His status as a ruler of the Jews, his identity as someone who knows the answers, his mindset that people are right with God if they are good Jews who follow all the laws like Nicodemus does. In contrast, the woman at the well is empty and vulnerable and thus able to receive what Jesus offers. Richard Rohr writes, once you have allowed yourself to be vulnerable and have received infinite grace, you will find ways to let the love flow through you, serving others. People filled with the flow will always move away from any need to protect their own power. They have all the power they need. It always overflows and, like water, seeks the lowest crevices to fill. Only love can move effectively across boundaries and across cultures. Love is a very real energy, a spiritual life force that is much more powerful than ideas or mere thoughts. Love is endlessly alive, always flowing toward the lower place, and thus life-giving for all, exactly like water. No wonder water is such a universal spiritual symbol. Unquote. The well at which Jesus and the woman meet in today's gospel is the well Jacob had given to his people. Jacob was a common ancestor to both Jews and Samaritans. It is helpful to know that there are ancient legends regarding Jacob's well that aren't recorded in the Old Testament, but can be found in ancient commentaries called targums. One well-attested ancient legend legend with which both Jesus and the Samaritan woman would have been familiar 
spoke of a miracle involving Jacob's well. The well overflowed, the ancient Targum states, and the water rose to the edge of it and continued to overflow all the time Jacob was in Haran. When Jesus says to the woman that if she asked him, he would give her living water, she remarks that he has no bucket and the well is deep. Is Jesus greater than their ancestor Jacob, she asks, who caused the water in the well to miraculously rise up and overflow? Jesus responds, the water that I will give will become within those who drink a spring of water gushing up to eternal life, overflowing. My friends, this is why God gave his only son, that all people might drink from the living waters he offers, and eternal life might flow, gushing up within all those who are open to receive it. As one Bible scholar notes, Jesus is thirsty at the well, and we are the ones with the bucket. We quench Jesus' thirst when we allow the flow of living water to flow through him and into our soul. But we must be receptive, open, and vulnerable, like the woman at the well, or else the flow of living water Jesus wants to pour out will be blocked. If our buckets are already full of ourselves, there will be no room to receive the outflow of living water, eternal life, kingdom of God, life. We will have effectively blocked the flow of spirit, the flow of divine energy, the flow of life. Richard Rohr speaks of how we can be vigilant of our own inner life and notice when we are blocking the flow of living water being continually offered by Jesus. Father Rohr writes, by being observant of your own emotional life and perhaps getting in touch with your own unconscious, you might become aware of your psychological blockages to experiencing grace and mercy. Try to feel, especially in your body, when you are tight, emotionally stingy, constricted, and in a withholding state. And feel also when you are in the flow, without any holding back or reserve. If you cannot distinguish between these two inner states in your own self, you may be able to notice them in others. There are numerous nonverbal cues most of us learn to read very easily and very early. Even children can sense the difference between cold and warm people. The cold person lives from a place of scarcity, invariably protecting and defending what little they think they have or are. A person in the flow neither protects nor guards their inner source, vitality, or emotions, 
any more than necessary to maintain a needed sense of identity. You can tell when someone is in the flow, when they trust that their very life is given freely, you may see it in their smile. The natural flow of grace is largely impossible when we are sucking in, when we're stingy, petty, blaming, playing the victim, or in any way offended. When we're recounting what people did to us or what they did not do for us, we're pulling back and sucking in. We need to notice when we're in this constrictive state right away before it takes hold of us. I believe that's what prayer is for. To bring me back in alignment with the divine flow so the infinite source can once again flow into me and through me. Father Rohr continues, People often ask me how long they should pray, and I say, as long as it takes you to get to yes. If your heart and emotions are still saying no to the moment right in front of you, don't leave your place of prayer until you find yes, until the flow begins to happen and the constriction which often feels like pettiness, begins to lose its hold on you. Then you're abiding in a place of abundance where you know there's more than enough of you left over. And you don't need to be stingy, guarded, or hold on to even minor grudges. You can let a quiet love flow. You can let grace happen to you and through you, toward all the world around you. This is what happens with the Samaritan woman. She comes to a place of openness inside herself, a place of yes. She leaves her water jar at the well because she is no longer seeking well water. She runs to the townsfolk in the city and lets the living water Jesus has poured into her flow out into the lives of others. Might we also do the same? <laughs>